This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Sunday's Academy Awards were considered to have the most diverse lot of nominees in the history of the annual ceremonial accolades, years after the hashtag Oscar So White began trending. With films such as Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, featuring casts with majority people of color, there was much to celebrate. Still, the entirely white film Nomadlands, Asian-American director Chloe Zhao was chosen as Best Director, and the 83-year-old Anthony Hopkins snagged a surprise win over the late critically acclaimed actor Chadwick Boseman. Does the slight increase in the Oscars' diversity reflect what is happening in Hollywood at large? The latest Hollywood diversity report from UCLA seems to suggest so. My guest is Dr. Darnell Hunt. He's the Dean of the Division of Social Sciences at UCLA and Professor of Sociology and African American Studies there. He's the author with Dr. Ana Cristina Ramon of the 2021 Hollywood Diversity Report, subtitled Pandemic in Progress. And he's a regular on our program. Welcome back, Darnell. Great to be here. So first, uh, tell us about the time period that your report covers, because of course it, it's usually a year behind, I understand. Um, and so what we capture in the Oscars, how does it compare with, with the, um, the period of time that your report studied? Sure, so um, in the last year or so, we've kind of um, increased um, our ability to collect data and try to make it a little bit more up to date. So the report we just released um, covers the 2020 calendar year. Um, the subtitle of the report, Pandemic in Progress, of course, refers to the fact that all of the films that we discussed were films that were released during the pandemic, um, for the most part, because, of course, um, I guess the calendar year began in January, and the pandemic really hit us in late February, early March. Um, the Oscars component of the report is a little different, of course, because the Oscars for the 2020 calendar year, um, the nominations were announced in advance of our report, but the actual awards just happened um, not too long ago, so um, they were not included in the report. So we look at the year before for the Oscar winners, but we look at the most recent year in terms of the actual diversity of on-screen um, films. So what did we find this year? Was there a marked uh, shift between what you found in this latest report, which is now caught up more than previous reports have with, yeah. with the current um, uh, crop of films? What did you find compared to the report that came out before that? Well, you know, we've been seeing, um, you know, a trend towards more inclusion in front of the camera over the last few years in film. TV, as, as we've discussed previously, um, has done, you know, regularly done a little bit better than film with respect to on-screen diversity. But last year, 2020, was a watershed year. I mean, we saw tremendous jumps uh, from women and people of color um, in front of the camera. Um, among leads, um, people of color almost reached proportionate representation among leads. Women uh, were close at, you know, a little bit more than 50% of the population. And in terms of overall roles, um, the top eight roles, um, you know, in order of credit, um, people of color actually exceeded um, proportionate representation for the first time ever. And it was, it was almost, it was, it was stunning, you know, compared to what we've seen in recent years. Now, the question is, is this um, an indication of a real fundamental shift in Hollywood, or are we seeing an artifact of the pandemic? And what I mean by that is that films were released differently last year than in previous years because, of course, theaters were shuttered around the globe. And most of the films in our analysis this year were films that spent a lot of their time 
on streaming platforms, which means that the way we select our films, traditionally we took the top 200 films ranked by box office because part of what we do in our study is look at the relationship between diversity and profitability. And we found, of course, over the years that diversity sells. So this year, of course, since so few films were released at the box office, we couldn't just look at those box office releases. Um, we looked at those, we took the top box office releases, and then we looked at the top streaming releases by household ratings. And when we did that, we came up with a mix of films that was a lot more diverse than what we've seen in the past. And I think that's why you see some of the, the huge increases in terms of leads of color um, and overall um, people of color among the, the top roles in films this year. Is there a difference between Black representation versus Latino representation? Yeah, you know, when you, so people of color overall as a group, you know, people of color are a little bit more than 40% of the population. They were a little bit more than 40% of all top film roles this year. You do see some differences. African-Americans were overrepresented in 2020 among all film roles and among leads, um, which is, you know, not the case for other groups like Latinx people, for example, the largest single racial and ethnic group, um, minority ethnic group, um, they are, they continue to be underrepresented. So, um, you know, there are some differences among people of color in terms of their prevalence on the screen. Um, Native Americans you virtually never see. I mean, they're pretty much invisible in Hollywood, unfortunately. Um, so there are some differences that, you know, despite this good news, we need to work on. We need to figure out ways to incorporate other people's stories and narratives um, into to Hollywood uh, films as well. What can uh, filmmakers of color, uh, especially Latino and say Native uh, filmmakers, learn from Black filmmakers? Because, you know, these sorts of uh, successes, such as an overrepresentation compared to the population, they aren't accidents. These are hard won. And there's been a very determined, purpose-driven approach that Black filmmakers behind the camera, in front of the camera, directors and actors have taken to ensure their stories are told? Are there lessons you think, just sort of stepping out from the report for a minute, that, that the Black filmmaking community can share with other communities of color? Well, you know, there, there's talent um, in all communities of color. I mean, there are lots of stories to be told. There's no shortage of stories. The problem is shortage of opportunity to tell those stories. And from my point of view, that's more a function of who controls Hollywood than the individual storyteller who wants to get his or her story told. Uh, what I mean by that is um, in our last report, we looked at the executive suites and we found that they were overwhelmingly white and male. And unfortunately, to the extent that the white men who control Hollywood think about diversity, they tend to think first about black, you know, which is amazing for black stories that need to be told, but it excludes opportunities for other groups who aren't thought of in quite the same way by the people who are making all the decisions. So what we've argued for years in our report series is that it's great to have diversity in the camp in front of the camera, but that's not enough. You need to have diversity behind the camera. You need, and you in need the writers' rooms. <laughs> I'm sorry. In the writers' rooms, where the, oh, the stories that are told, you know, whether they succumb to ugly stereotypes or tell nuanced stories, yeah. that depends on the writers. No, no, absolutely. But I mean, it, it begins in the executive suites because that's where mm. you, you bring like the projects. Right. Those are the people who hear the pitches. Who, who get to hear from storytellers who want to tell their stories. And if you have, you know, an exclusive club of white men making those decisions, that Native American story is probably not going to be, be, be told. That, that um, Latinx story is probably not going to be seen as viable. 
Um, and instead, they'll resort to what they know and what they're more comfortable with. And that for Black people is often civil, uh, uh, civil rights era stories or slavery stories or you know, these familiar genres that we've seen before. Um, and there's a lack of imagination to really think about the viability of other types of stories that involve communities that have been marginalized in the past. So for me, it all starts behind the camera. Certainly writers are important, but writers can't even tell their story until they get a chance to pitch it and, and it's greenlighted. So that, right. that starts with people in the executive suites. And lest anyone think that whites are being marginalized in Hollywood, that's of course not true. It's still a majority of all your report found a majority Absolutely. of all film roles by race went to white actors um, in terms of lead roles. And I imagine that's the case elsewhere as well. No, absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, we look at um, proportionate representation. That's our, that's our sort of- Parity with the so, proportion of right, the yes, population, it, yeah. Exactly, and so for the first time this year, we saw that people of color were just a fraction of a percent overrepresented. And again, that is a milestone because we've never been close before. And I think, again, it has a lot to do with the unusual nature of this year. So for us, the question is, as theaters start to reopen and as Hollywood starts to you know, operate more in line with business as usual, will, the, will this trend continue or will we revert back to something more similar to what we've seen in recent years? And I think next year we'll be telling. Do you think that the fact that streaming uh, platforms were included um, made all the difference because streaming platforms that have been less tied to box office sales mm -hmm. and therefore mm -hmm. more willing to take risks even though, of course, data shows that it's not a risk to bet on, on, uh, major on majority minority casts, that, that because of that, we've seen these better numbers. And that's a real lesson that traditional Hollywood can take. Well, that's exactly right. And that's the point we make in the report. I mean, I think what we saw this year is a glimpse of what a diverse Hollywood could be. Because when we looked at audience demand for these films, it was through the roof um, um, by audiences of color. If you look at household ratings, um, you know, by race of household, um, the top 10 was, was very different for different um, groups. And some of these diverse films, again, rated through the roof for, the, for different groups. So clearly, diverse audiences want this content. And again, let me remind you, more than 40% of our population now is people of color. And people of color, particularly Latinx people, you know, per capita, watch more movies than anybody else. So just from a pure marketing perspective, um, you know, the mainstream is now diverse. There's no such thing as sort of this mainstream and then, you know, minority um, submarkets or whatever. No, the mainstream is diverse and it's becoming increasingly diverse every year as our share, as the people of color share of the population increases. So, um, so, so absolutely. I, I think that um, Hollywood would be wise to kind of look at this year um, kind of as, as an example of what can be. And, and if they were wise in terms of just, you know, focusing on the bottom line, the viability of the industry going forward, they would learn from the lessons of 2020 and, and start incorporating these practices into what they do. Now, getting back to the streamers, um, streamers sell subscriptions to subscribers around the globe. And what they need is a portfolio of pro products that will appeal to the widest audience possible. This has created incentives for streamers to greenlight diverse projects that the major studios might not green light because they're looking solely at box office. And I think that that's part of why we see what we saw this year uh, in terms of diversity of films that was actually included because so many of them were released via streaming platforms.
So the audiences are driving a lot of this demand, clearly. And you mentioned that Latino audiences in particular, and yet there's at least you know, the very sort of depressingly low representation in front of the camera for Latino populations. I mean, part of it is, of course, just as we I remember having these conversations about the Latino vote during last year's election, this is a very diverse population. It's ethnically diverse. It's uh, diverse in terms of national origin. It's diverse in terms of race. Um, so, of course, it's a little bit tough to... Uh, for, for Hollywood to sort of glibly decide where we're going to have Latino stories with Latino actors. It involves um, having a greater diversity in the within the industry itself, right? And unfortunately, we've had a lot of success, not, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but the success we've seen from Latino filmmakers has often been Spanish origin or people who are from Latin America. You know, maybe they're not even first generation immigrants. They're just based there and then buy a second home in LA, which doesn't really count. Um, and so it, there is a challenge for Hollywood to diversify, to bring more Latino Americans into the ranks of the industry itself, right? No, absolutely. And, and again, I just want to emphasize the point I made earlier that it starts in the executive suites. We need to have people of color making those decisions, not just the recipients of those decisions. And, that, and that's been the problem. And when you have white males exclusively making those decisions, they tend to think of Latino in one way. And, and, and maybe they do think of um, the person um, from another nation who speaks Spanish as, okay, we've covered the Latino basis now, but that's not the same as, you know, um, uh, you know Americans who, who happen to be Latino, you know, and the experiences they've had and the stories they might tell. So, or, or the way they may tell those stories. So um, the ideal for me would be um, executive suites where you have a range of different groups represented um, a range of different genders represented, um, all kind of coming together to collectively think about what they consider to be a viable story that can be marketed and told. If we had that, you know, I think the, the boundaries would expand tremendously in terms of the types of things that, that make it to the big screen. And then there's Asian audiences and, and films as well. It's been such an interesting thing to see. You know, in the previous Oscars, we had the South Korean-made film Parasite sweep the yeah. awards, and it wasn't just nominated in the foreign film category. Um, it was a South Korean-made film. And then this year, we saw Minari, which is actually a U.S.-made film <laughs> uh, with an all-Asian, almost entirely Asian cast, um, but uh, almost no English uh, in the, the film itself also did quite well in the awards, but was categorized as a foreign language uh, film, right? So it's just really interesting to see. And then you had Chloe Zhao, the Asian director of a film that had almost no, I don't think it had a single Asian. It had one black person, one black woman in, I think, a two second scene and everybody else was white. So it's very difficult to classify the progress or not that Asians in film have made, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a complicated story for Asians. Um, and, you know, we've covered this for years and TV is complicated too, because in some years, Asian Americans were actually overrepresented among writers in TV, which was a strange finding, but nonetheless, one that held up for a few years. Um, then, of course, as you just noted, we had our first uh, woman of color um, director to win um, the award this year, and she happened to be a, a woman of Asian descent. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a mixed bag for Asians because Asians tend to be underrepresented on the screen. But in some cases, in a better position than Latinos behind the camera, you know, so it, it, it's interesting. 
But again, I go back to the point I made earlier. The, the overarching problem is that there are just not enough people in the executive suites making decisions about what gets made um, to give us the type of balance that we should have in a very diverse democracy. Um, um, you know, with the stories we get to see on the big screen. There's just not enough diversity among the people making those decisions. What about women uh, in general of all races? Did we see any progress on the front uh, in terms of women in front of the camera and behind the camera and the writers' rooms and in the executive suites? Yeah, well, one of the things that's noteworthy about our report this year is that in every major category we looked at, film leads, um, film directors, um, film writers and total actors, um, women and people of color made advances over the previous report. So, so the answer is yes, women did um, make some progress. Um, that said, um, they still are underrepresented among directors, among more than two to one. And historically, um, the director um, category has been the area where women have lagged the furthest behind their male counterparts. I mean, it's been really, really tough for women film directors which is why it's so notable that, of course, we had our first um, uh, woman of color to win the award. And I think only the second woman ever to be awarded um, um, Best Director this year. And film writers, women also tend to be underrepresented by nearly two to one. But among film leads and total actors, they had reached proportionate representation, just like with color. So in front of the camera, they're doing fine. Behind the camera, um, even though they made progress since the last report, they still have a ways to go. Right. I mean, if, if women's roles are being written largely by men, you're going to generally see them literally through the male gaze, which explains sure. a lot about women's uh, portrayal in Hollywood. Darnell Hunt, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. Thank you for having me. My guest has been Dr. Darnell Hunt, Dean of the Division of Social Sciences at UCLA, Professor of Sociology and African-American Studies at UCLA, and author with Dr. Ana Cristina Ramon of the 2021 Hollywood Diversity Report, subtitled Pandemic in Progress, which we've just been discussing. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter. Also, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.